Hello and welcome to another um, episode of How Might We? And I'm pleased to announce today that I've got my guest, Gary, Gary Gorman, and he wants to talk about how might we need to adapt learning and development to take advantage of the new normal, whatever that may be. So welcome, Gary. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for asking, having me along. Great to be here. Thank you. You're more than welcome. So, Gary, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Uh, yeah, my name's Gary Gorman. I run a training business um, and have done for since 2006, so 14 years. I'm a negotiation expert, so I specialize in training corporate teams to negotiate better agreements and better contracts. I live in Lincolnshire, in Grantham in Lincolnshire, and, and, and that's me really from a corporate background, but been a freelance trainer since uh, 2006. Okay, so welcome. So I'd like to talk to you about the negotiation, if not today, another time, because I used to be a hostage negotiator training with the prison service. Maybe. Right, right. Well, I've, I've done sort of corporate commercial negotiation. So there's some, there's some overlap, but some differences. So that's, that sounds like a topic for a future podcast, Scott. It definitely does, doesn't it? Okay, so yeah, you've talked about the need to adapt learning and development to take advantage of the new normal. So obviously L&D is a large field. So where would you like to start? Well, I suppose it's just reflecting on my own experience. I mean, my business, probably along with, with everyone else's in the, in the freelance training world, fell off a cliff in March, essentially. What was in the diary got at best postponed, at worst cancelled. So I guess it's that old typical change curve, isn't it? There's, there's the, the shock and the terror and all the worry that's going to, you know, how am I going to survive and put food on the table, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then slowly but surely realisation being that this is going to be here for longer than we originally thought. So I need to, and loads of words came out at that time, didn't they? Pivot being one of them. <laughs> pivot, oh, was, pivot was like COVID bingo at the time, wasn't it? Pivot was a, was a bingo word. But nevertheless, I had to do that. I think around, well, what, what, what can I do? How can I still serve my customers efficiently and effectively and flex my offering to take into account the horrible, again, bingo word of new normal? So there's dawning realisation that previously I played with doing some online products and some online um, offering online training and things, but essentially played at it, Scott. So I guess it was that fork in the road where you've got to change your approach to reflect the new way of working, people working from home, um, changing it to more bite-sized learning, breaking down the full day's facilitation into bite-sized modules. And, and, and that was it, really. That was the trigger point for it. That, that, that was the trigger point for me. So I spent a lot of time doing that and marketing that in the last three or four months. And it's been, it's been a steep learning curve. I've never Zoomed so much in my life. <laughs> and I've, I've, to be honest, I've surprised myself. I had a couple of limitations. Am I okay just rattling on about this? Is that okay? Yeah, just help yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure what you're talking about is the journey that many, many people have yeah. gone through. Okay. The same thing, the same feelings and emotions. And yeah, yeah. So it was that, it was that feeling of, a bit of trepidation thinking a will i be able to do the the technical aspects in terms of running a zoom facility facilitating the zoom session because there's as, as we all know there's breakout rooms there's um polls there's chat facilities there's obviously using video there's using whiteboards and all that malarkey so i had a bit of a technical reservation will i be able to still be you know facilitate engaging sessions whilst also doing the technical bits so that was holding me back and the other element was 
my sessions are quite interactive and quite learning by doing very much focused on learning by doing and the other reservation i had was how can i translate my learning by doing approach to a more static medium of sitting watching a computer screen so when needs must when we fell off this cliff and it was the only option available that's what really forced me into actually doing something about it <laughs> probably should have done it months ago but but didn't need to because of the requirements of the business and the time of the time I had available to do it wasn't there so it was it was that really that was how I had to change and adapt my approach to facilitation okay so you've now um and seen watching your LinkedIn I'm sure I, I think I can remember you saying you've actually started or you'd had started delivering and you were saying it wasn't as bad as I thought actually I quite enjoyed it yeah exactly yeah, but all exactly. that yeah. is all right yeah. actually it was that, yeah. Well, uh, well, that went okay. The feedback's been great, and and you sort of think, you know, get over yourself, Gary. What, what, why, why were you getting in your own way? Essentially, what, what was stopping you from doing this before? <laughs> because, a, the technicalities are not that overwhelming anyway. B, if I if if I screw up, if I can use that word, if I if I mess up, if I can screw if I screw up, I sort of thought, well. What do, I, what do I do if I screw up in the classroom with live people in a, in a, in a flat room in front of me? I just get on with it. I make a joke of it and I just get on with it. So get over yourself, Gary, and just do that then. If you mess an online session up, just make a joke about it and carry on. <laughs> so it was that. And it was thinking about how do I make that? For, how do I make it interactive? What can I do to make it interactive as it would be on a classroom experience? So, yeah. It's gone brilliantly, Scott, and I'm chuffed to bits with it. I'm going to keep doing it in the future as part of my offering. Maybe not 100% online, but certainly a big part of it. Yeah, and you just think, I made such a song and dance about it, and I don't quite know why. I think it's like everything. It's the, the, the fear of the unknown, isn't it, that sort of holds us back. And As you say, that in learning and development or in, in training facilitation, if you get in the classroom and something doesn't work, like the projector breaks down or you've run out of pens or papers or you forget the order of the slides you just you just have to deal with it in the classroom same yeah. as online i mean obviously i think online is if your internet goes down that's it dead finished that, that that is the end of the session so yeah um how did you find sort of like thinking about moving the content online because i mean the experience i've had with some people is they're basically taking exactly what they did face to face and they've put those slides online and they said, we're going to make it bite-sized. So they take some of the slides out or maybe some of the activities and then they just run it as a kind of chalk and talk event. Yeah, I've overcome that. Yeah, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a tickle trap I think we could all fall into. What I realised was that some of my content would struggle to translate online but would make good pre-reading, so pre-work. So I've really beefed up this blended learning approach of a, of a before the event the event and post event probably more than I would do in a classroom situation now. So there's a lot more pre-work. There's a lot more pre-learning and questionnaires around what do you wish to achieve on the session? So I get to know my learner a lot more now than I ever would do face to face. In fact, it's changed my approach of how I might do it face to face, but maybe that's for another day. So, so, so therefore, I haven't literally just taken piece a whole meal approach to my modules and shunted them all online. I thought, well, a they're shorter sessions because you get a bum, you get a numbum, and he said a bum number, you get a numbum. Okay. 
<laughs> we'll go with the second one. I think that makes more sense. We'll, we'll, we can edit the first one out, can't we? I'm going to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was literally thinking, well, I've got to do shorter sessions. So what bits do I cut out? Do I cut them out for good and I don't use them at all? Or can they be pre-work? Can they be shunted to before I engage with the learner? And that's the approach I've taken. So I've, I've, I've gone through it with a fine tooth comb in terms of will that work? And if not, how do I make it work in, in, in that way? I think it's quite interesting you said, so obviously you and I have both been in training for many years and quite often face-to-face, you might have a client said you've got 12 people, 10, 12 people attending your class. And we think this is who's going to be here. And then because of operational pressures, somebody can't make it, somebody takes their place, or you get eight. And you don't really know what's stepping into the room until they step into the room. So where, where their expectations are, their experience and everything else. So it's interesting you said that online or virtually and saying, well, I need to do this so we can do the pre-work and we can do questionnaires and stuff. allows you to be much more prepared to individualize that learning. Definitely. Definitely. I don't really have ever come across um, a guy called Mark Williams who runs a a company called Giraffe Pad. Yes. Uh, You have. Okay. I was going to say, if you haven't, it's worth looking up and maybe getting on a podcast at some point in the future. So I use Giraffe Pad as my portal to to do that. The pre-learning, the Zoom meeting is hosted via Giraffe Pad. uh, So I get to know my learners a lot more you know, a, a lot more intensely and a lot more in detail in terms of what they particularly want from the sessions. And I can re-engage with them at certain times during the build-up to the course as well. So GiraffePad is highly recommended. I've, I've found again, along with Zoom and GiraffePad, those have been my, my two must-haves in terms of my, my, my facilitation toolkit. And I've used those very much in the last few months and uh, they've made life a lot easier for both for me and more importantly for my learners okay so you've again so we're now looking at rather than just saying we're going to go online you've looked at the whole user experience as well and then utilizing different technology giraffe pad being sorry giraffe pad being one and other areas where we can engage with the learners before yes. during and after the event yeah yeah. I think it's something we ignored a lot when we did face-to-face. We basically yeah. rocked up, did our thing, and then exactly. we kind of just left it to them, didn't we? So. Yeah, we, we, we might do a pre-course questionnaire, we deliver the event, and we do a post-course, and that post-course happy clappy sheet at the end, don't we? And we think, we think that's it, we've done a great job. Uh, but in reality, I found moving online has made me more intensively support my learners. And, and that, that's... What's come out of this, that initial shock of falling off that cliff face, I'm going to go out of it, in my view. I mean, my customers are obviously would, would, would be really interested in what they say, but in my view, my business and my service of my customers will be far more effective post-COVID than it ever would have been without it. Okay. So, and I know you said it's another thing, but I think I did another, potentially another podcast, but I think we can move on to it now is... So this new normal, let's say another one of those bingo words you hear, pivot, new normal. Yeah. COVID bingo. COVID bingo, yes. Yeah. We could actually create a COVID bingo card and just give it to people and say, how quickly do you think you could fill this card up? Yes. Um, there's an idea. I might actually do that. So un- un- Unprecedented would be another one, another bingo word. Unprecedented. Un- unprecedented, yeah. P- pivot definitely in the early stages. And I don't know what else. So there's just so many, aren't there? There's just so many. There's Oh, bubble. Bubble. Bubble, yeah. another one. Stay safe. 
stay safe. That's a good one. Stay safe. That's changed how we do our emails now. It has, yeah. Rather than kind regards, it's stay safe. Exactly. Like like your style. So it's all this. Our whole language has changed uh, quite. And you'll say to somebody, "Are you in your bubble?" Now imagine saying that to somebody four months ago. Are you in your bubble? What are you talking about? And now everyone knows exactly what it means. So yeah we digress again anyway, so anyway get... we do digress sorry <laughs> you've, you've, you've led me astray go on right okay let's try and get back on track so talking about learning moving into this new normal and obviously where do you feel and you've alluded to it a little bit where do you feel learning and development and learned development is going to change and where clients now having experienced what you can do with them more than before and what their demands you think might be? I don't think it will go back to the way it was. And I don't think it will go exclusively online. I think it will genuinely be, blended learning has been, has been an approach that we as an industry have, have, have tried to propose to our customers. So it's been our vocabulary rather than their vocabulary. What I think now will happen is that blended learning will become part of their vocabulary as well as ours. So I, I think they will be more open to running some sessions modular and some sessions online as to substantiate classroom learning. So whereas I thought, I think they felt it was an inferior product and a second best product, what I think they will find is that it, is, it hasn't been inferior, it to some sense it's been superior, and they will be more conducive and more happy to have that genuinely blended approach to develop their personnel. That's what I think, how the industry, I think, will, will change. I don't anticipate, I'm interested to see what you know, your thoughts are. I don't anticipate that I'll be back in the classroom until, what are we now, end of July, uh, early August. Uh, I don't think we'll, we'll be back in classroom till, till December, January, if I'm absolutely honest. So I think well, there will still be an online delivery and then post January, I think it become that real true blended approach, which will be great for everyone. Great for us as facilitators and great for learners because it will reinforce their learning in such a superior way in, in my view. Yep. I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of things are, cause I, I, again, put a poll out on LinkedIn. It's just about asking people when you go back to work, how would you like to work and not taking the, say, our vocabulary into it. But basically, it's was, it was working from home, working from the office or a combination. Yes. The combination is the one that so far has got the higher answers. Yeah. I think it may be, as you say, that now moving forward, because people have experienced what it's like to work from home, what it's like to interact online, some of these fears that we've had have been disproven. And they said, well, we can actually say, when would online be better? When would face-to-face be better? So I, th- I think face-to-face is, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be much less of it, but I think it's going to be much more. The, the stuff we do face-to-face is going to add some real value because it's going to be the stuff that's going to make the really important for people to have that interaction within, yes. within that session rather than saying, like traditionally you might have been with somebody for a week. You might say, well, I don't actually need to be with somebody for a week. I can do a couple of sessions. I can do some pre-work. We can do some activities. We can do this. And I need to spend maybe two half days with them face to face. Yeah. And I think we'll be pushing an open door now from now on. I think had we proposed that six months ago, that working in classroom, then working one-to-one, then doing some 
phone coaching or Zoom coaching, we'd have, we'd have met resistance. I, I think now we're pushing at this open door. I think there's a more receptive audience out there for our training offering. Which is good, hopefully. Exactly, yeah, which, which is a, a win-win for the industry and for us, ourselves, but equally importantly for the client and for their learners. Yeah, it's a win-win, definitely. I mean, I, I read somewhere yesterday, yesterday or the other day that there is, there is a, a school of thoughts that because more and more companies are going to be allowing people to work from home, then geographically, it doesn't really matter where you live in the country to work for a company. So mm-hmm. there could be some migration of people out of sort of the more expensive parts of the southeast of England and moving further, further afield. Yeah. So then that creates more of a logistical issue for companies to create face-to-face learning as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be that brave new world, isn't it? But I think, I think it's, yeah, you know, having gone into this period with some degree of trepidation about my business and, and the industry as well, will the industry survive this? I, I think we'll come out, we will come out stronger from it. I, th- I think there's, there's so many learnings and there's so many, you, it, it's at times adversity that you find out your true self and, and, and that's been, you know, been great to experience. Tricky, not been easy, but coming out of it, it's been some great learnings, yeah. Yeah, and I think I'll go all the way back to what you said at the beginning about Zoom. I mean, I've been using Zoom on and off for about five or six years for different pla- uh, for different things. Not so much training, but some facilitation and stuff online, but also meetings. But the, as you say, the tech isn't that complicated. No. It's relatively intuitive. Yeah. And, and obviously different platforms are coming up and the capabilities of different platforms allow us to do certain things. And I think that's something we need to consider when we're designing how we're going to interact. Yeah. Because certain platforms will allow you to do certain things and other platforms won't. So I don't think we can actually design a, a, a solution that will fit all platforms now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I wish I would have had shares in Zoom in March time. I, yeah, I think, yes. I think you're onto a winner there with those, isn't you? If only we could predict. But we have 20, everyone, everyone has 20-20 vision. Yeah, that horse has bolted sadly. But yes, I wish I'd have had some, in February, had bought some Zoom shares. Yeah. It would but, be cool. So you see, we see us going blended. So one of the things you've talked about is adapting our learning and development. Yeah. So if I was to say, so you've, you've progressed online and you've managed to maintain that interactivity that you had. So what sorts of, what was the, your sort of thought process in going in? How can I adapt this online? And sort of, as you say, you went through it with a fine tooth comb. It was coming from the premise of learning by doing, which underpins all of my training. Every time I set an, every time I, I, I share a degree of theory because I think that's important. You know, there are some key uh, negotiation principles that are worthy of sharing as a principle, but then I, I always keep that to a minimum, whether it's classroom or face to face, because I want it to be experiential. I want them to, to do things and learn a little bit by making mistakes. So I literally go through with my material and say, well, that's, that's the theory, that's the, the, the opening the box on the theory. Now let's spend the majority of the time exploring that and working with that, making mistakes, but learning from those mistakes. So my approach hasn't changed, Scott, in terms of, in, you know, in that regard, whether it's offline or whether it's face-to-face classroom offline or online, I still follow that approach in terms of, okay, how can I get you to explore this now? Okay. And have you found that transition? Because that's what people say. How can we make it experiential is quite often what I get, I've heard in the past. 
is people, you can't do experiential online. You say when you were first thinking about it, people are sat on their bums watching a screen and you still want them to play around with and experience and sort of share ideas and concepts through the, through your negotiation process. Yeah. So that transition you found was relatively okay, easy to, to achieve. Yeah. I always think, you know, can we do a whiteboard exercise here? Can we do some breakout rooms here? How can I, I call it spinning the plates every, every 10 minutes. I kind of try and spin the plates, get them doing things, get them doing something different. So I use four or five of the main tools in zoom and we've already gone through, you know, chat polls, breakout rooms, and obviously coming on live, you know, coming live uh, video and, and, and chat uh, a microphone. So four or five tools. And I, I just think, well, what can I use now? Well, what can I bring in now for them to experience the outcome I wish to drive from that practice session. And that varies. And I, and I do try and vary. I don't just do, let's have a, yet another breakout room. <laughs> I do try and vary it. Cause again, you've got, you have to do that. I think to, to add variety, particularly. And I, I suppose the thing I also do is I'm, I'm 10% more gregarious than I normally am, I guess mm-hmm. uh, on a face to face. I'd like to think I'm quite enthusiastic, quite passionate about my subject but I think what you have to do is maybe ramp that up by another, give that and turn the amp up to 11, as they say in spinal tab, yeah. give it, give it 10% more because we are, you know, we, we, we have to exude enthusiasm. We have to really ramp that up. So I suppose that's the only real change from my approach on a face to face basis. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the challenge from that is reflective learners. Whereas you've got, when you've got a day with them, you can build in sessions for the more reflective learner, I found. When you've only got two hours with them, that's trickier. But again, what I've done to, to, to circumvent that and overcome that is use um, the giraffe pad principles of before, during and after. So the more reflective learners, in splitting a, day, a full day into four separate two-hour sessions, let's say, between session two and three, I may well have a week, you know, do one or two, one week and three and four the following week. During that week, that, that period, that's when my reflective learners really kick into gear then. That's when they really contribute some really significant insights. So again, it's just thinking a little bit differently as to the principles of learning haven't changed. It's just the medium in which we use those principles. Again, interesting to what you're saying. I think this is, so one of the questions I would ask is instead of saying, as you say, let's keep the essence of what we're trying to achieve and then ask our question, ourselves the questions, how might we utilize the capabilities of the platforms and the technology to deliver the outcomes and keep yeah. the essence. And so instead of, so it's not necessarily about keeping it the same. It's saying, because you say you can have a, you can have a breakout room, you can have a group discussion, you get people on the whiteboard, you can ask people to do activities between sessions now because it's not two days in the classroom. So there's more time for them to embed what they're learning, practice, play around with it yeah. and still be supported that. So I think in some ways that that allows for a deeper, richer learning experience. Definitely. Definitely. Because what happens in classroom and it's great because it adds a dynamic to the classroom itself. But the more reflective, more reserved learners get a little bit shouted out, shouted down, have a, don't have a great share of voice in a classroom situation. 
And I think taking this more blended, genuinely blended approach over a period of modules over a couple of weeks gives them the space to flourish and the space to shine. And that's fabulous. That means that we're getting the best out of we're facilitating the, the platform for them to get the best out of themselves. I was going to say get we get the best out of them, but actually we give them a platform for them to shine with their with their assets and their attributes and their their thoughts. So moving forward, do you think there's certain things that you would keep that you've experienced, learned, developed during COVID with um, and the lockdown with you transitioning, so that when you go back to face to face? yeah you say that even my face-to-face will probably change because of this experience yeah my face-to-face will be more thorough in terms of preparation i think after 14 years let's be honest you can fall into shortcuts really and kind of a bit plain by numbers because you've done it before let's do a pre-course questionnaire da, 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 let then let's deliver so I, th- I think what it shone a light on for me, Scott, is to be more thorough because the benefits of that outweigh the work that's involved. So I'll definitely be a bit more thorough in preparation. I, I will see it as part of a program. It won't only be the, o- we're pushing as this open door that I mentioned earlier. It won't be the only solution I offer my customers. Previously, I would offer a, a, a course or a facilitated session and that would be it. Whereas now I think I'll offer a suite of options for the customer. And I'll certainly use the platform like GiraffePad to to re-engage with them and to keep offering touch points of of support for my learners. Whereas before, I think a day's training would have been, at the end, they'd be boxed off. It would be literally, okay, that was it, delivered it. On to the next client, on to the next project. I think it's now giving me a little bit more longevity in terms of the touch points with, with my learners. So that's my goal in terms of the actions I'm going to take out of all this. Okay, good. So thank you very much for your time. So before you go is, I didn't tell you this before, so I'm going to tell you now. So this is thinking on your feet. I ask people, hit me with it, hit you with it, hit me with my rhythm stick. So what I'm going to do, so to how old we are when we actually remember what those songs are. So half the student people listening would go, what does that mean? But go back to the eighties and listen to the best, one of the best music uh, decades there was. Um, Thinking about that, I've lost my train of thought now. You've thrown yourself there, haven't you? I have. Right. Okay. So thinking about learning and development professionals now who are considering or have moved on. Yeah. So if you were to say, what are your five tips to help people in the learning and development field adapt and move forward to take advantage of this new normal, whatever it may be? Five. Right. Okay. Wow. Okay. Firstly, don't put it off because I did. Don't be scared. Uh, there's nothing holding you back, uh, so don't be scared. Two, be prepared for it to go wrong, and don't worry about it because it goes wrong in the classroom. Just just dust yourself down and carry on, as you would do normally on a face to face. Three, you are now pushing at an open door with clients, so don't be afraid to suggest it as part of a full blended learning program to the client for what I found useful. And this is a bit more detailed than those, than those tips is when running a session, if resources allow, have a co-host, have a producer 
and a co-host. When I've run sessions with 30 plus people, it can get a bit hectic in the chat. So I have a producer who can keep eye on that and to feed questions back to you and fitly enjoy it. It's, it's been incredible. I'm, I'm just amazed how reticent I was before and how a great advocate I am for it now. So it's, you know, enjoy it would be my fifth. Okay, love how was that? How was that for thinking on my feet? Or on your or your numb bum, whichever way it is. On, on my bum numb. <laughs> yeah, bum numb. Okay, on that note, <laughs> it's time for us to say um, thank. Well, say goodbye and again. Thank you very much, Gary, for uh, giving us your time and sharing your thoughts on, which I think is going to be a journey a lot of people have, been, have either gone on in the process of or are about to start in the trans. Pleasure, Scott. Pleasure, Scott. You're welcome. So thank you very much, listeners, and look forward to you on hear from you and also for you to listen to the next um, episode thank you very much